I'm Aaron. I'm Camille. And this is It's All Mahalo. Well, how you doing? This week, Camille and I sit down and have a nice conversation. It goes in a lot of different directions, and it's really fun. We talk about... Um, we talk about scheduling, we talk about teaching and education and learning and motivation, and we talk about asking good questions and that feeling you get deep inside when you know that you've asked a good question. So we hope you get something out of this, and we hope you have a good week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Testing. One, two, testing. Testing, testing. <laughs> good morning, Camille. <laughs> All, I'm, all I can think about is Crystalia singing as Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we watched uh, Crystalia's new special, No Pain. Yes. Highly recommend it. Very fun. Very pretty clean. Pretty and if clean. you, yeah, and if you like Eminem, and you like Crystalia, then lucky for you, you <laughs> can watch Crystalia rap as Eminem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just discovered the that video on YouTube. It's viral. We'll link it in the show notes, but it's uh. Pretty fantastic. This is some exciting stuff. <laughs> this is, yeah. So, Crystal Lee is Camille's favorite comedian. Yes. Uh, my favorite comedian is Joe Rogan. And they did a podcast together this week. And I texted Camille. I said, hey, Camille, Crystal Lee is on Joe Rogan. She said, I know. <laughs> and it was only up for like 50 minutes. Yeah. So, anyways, we're back to we're back to sharing our wisdom books with you and with each other. So, Camille, do you want to get started? Yeah, so my number one on my list this week is not something I learned this week, but something I want to share because I'm so excited. <laughs> and I talk about it enough, but I decided I'd talk about it again. Uh, the countdown is on. I did not learn that this week, but I'm so excited about it. I'm going to share it again. <laughs> well, the countdown to what, Camille? The countdown to get my dog is now. This is happening, people. It's happening in real time. In real time and so fast. It's like 20, I think from today, like 25 days away. Wow. Wow. I thought it was a little sooner than that, but I guess the countdown is on. Let's start it. Let's start it up. What are you going to do? Do you have anything special planned for the countdown, like on a chalkboard or like uh, 25 days till like dog, you know, like. Yeah. So I have this app on my phone. I don't know what it's called, but I can link it below if anyone wants to use a countdown for some odd reason. Hey, people like to count down things. Yeah. So I got an app on my phone and it tells me when it hits midnight every night, I get a notification on my phone and it says however many days I have left until I get my dog. That's pretty extra. It is pretty extra, <laughs> but it makes me so excited because Good. I wake up in the morning and I love checking my phone to see how many days. How many days? Even though it's one less than the day before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 24 today. 24. <laughs> yeah. That, that's funny. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So... That's something excited that I'm I'm looking forward to that because that's making me excited. Cool. Is there something that's making you excited? Um Yeah, a lot of things, definitely. Um I I started running a lot this week, so I did four runs, which is cool. I'm just starting to get the mileage up. Um nothing crazy so far, but that's making me excited. And um cuz I'm I'm training for a marathon. Go figure. Why not? And I've been listening to podcasts when I'm running. So it's kind of, uh, it's nice because I used to listen to podcasts while I was walking to classes and now I don't have that. So I found a different way to, to work that in. And so that's making me excited. It's like giving me something to look forward to instead of dread. Hey, that's cool. Thanks. So anyways, stuff to look forward to is good. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to talk about 
what we've been learning because even though at least to me I don't know if you I don't I haven't brought this up to you yet but even though we're still having classes and they're all online it doesn't really feel like we have classes because this is such a drastic shift from what our classes looked like before yep um so you know it could be a Wednesday and I have my classes but as soon as I'm done I just kind of feel like Eh, I guess I was productive, even though I definitely was productive and I sat in on classes and learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like it doesn't feel the same. feels more real when you're there and and when you are sitting there and like you can't just go on your phone and do whatever during class and you're listening to the professor and your classmates are there and you don't want to distract them. If And then you, the you know, the bell rings, the theoretical bell, and then you get up and walk to your next class and then you say hi to people and you see everybody else walk into their other classes and it just doesn't feel like we're there. It doesn't feel like we're as productive, but we are in a way, kind of, you know, it's never going to be as productive as on, on class campus, uh, on campus classes, but yeah, but I think the I think the good thing for us is that we're making these lists to kind of ke- at least keep some of the old routine that mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. um, because it helps us process what we're still learning, talk about it, and share it with everyone who's listening, and kind of move help us keep moving forward. I think it's been good for us to still keep doing it. Yeah, and like one of the things that we did a lot during the school year was make a schedule for our days. And I know you wanted to talk a little bit about that. So yeah, definitely. So, um, when there was this huge drastic shift to online classes, I noticed, uh, maybe like a week into this big shift that I wasn't writing a daily schedule anymore. I wasn't planning my days. Um, and I wasn't including daily goals or anything like what I wanted to get done. So what was happening was I kind of fell into this lazy trap of I'm going to do my classes but I'm going to fall behind on the extra work that I need to be getting done so you know a week what a week went by and I was reflecting how can I make this transition easier for myself on a daily basis right and this is some this is a way that Aaron's helped me get through um, times when I feel a little more anxious about other situations but I didn't really translate that to my schedule for my classes how can I help myself get my work more done and feel less anxious about everything that I need to be doing because Mm -hmm. it's a lot right we all have a lot of stuff we need to get done yeah so I started writing a schedule writing everything I needed to get done for the day that is attainable that's not a huge goal that's going to make me upset if I can't complete and I'm going to write daily goals before you like get into all that what are some examples of daily goals that you've set so a daily, well, this doesn't really have to do with um, schoolwork, but I want to go on a walk every single day or okay. do, move my body that's in great. some way. That's right? great. And that's so simple to accomplish because whether you go for a five minute walk or a 55 minute walk, mm-hmm. you know, you can still check it off. Exactly. So that's one. And then um, I still have to work on my thesis, right? Right. So as long as I can work on my thesis for 30 minutes, it helps me get into the mindset that I have to do it. Uh, for that time period and not worry about like checking things off of my list that I like that are so unreachable exactly like I need to write and revise five pages a day because that's that's gonna take me hours it's overwhelming every day yeah and and so I have another question do you adapt or adopt your daily goals like when do you set them do you set them the night before the day of and do you kind of have the same goals every day or does it change day by day 
So thank you for asking me these questions because it's making me so, it's making it so much easier to explain. Um, <laughs> I'm like interviewing. Everyone, yeah, everyone knows that I have a hard time explaining things. If no, no, no. To this we're getting we're getting for as many times. We're getting we're okay. Getting. So they change on a daily basis depending on what I have to do. Um, actually, some of them change, some of them stay the same. So for my okay. thesis, that's something that's gonna that's a prolonged pro that's a project. It's yeah. not just one assignment. Yeah. So that's something I had to set a thirty minute time like time constraint on right so that i get those 30 minutes done because if i don't do those 30 minutes i put it off and your thesis is due it's due next year okay. at the end of next year okay so but, this is yeah. like a two-year project right. and that's why i have to hold myself accountable that's good for people to know because a lot of people have these long-term projects and don't know where, what to do with them exactly right? yeah yeah like people are trying to write books and they don't know so it's like i think that's really good and if you commit to doing that every single day that's very smart yeah and i think the reason why it's so important to set a time limit every day for yourself as opposed to writing a chapter in your case for writing a book right. yeah writing a chapter every day or in my case writing a page every day mm -hmm. or revising five pages a day yeah that's going to take you hours and hours that you don't necessarily have and hours that you don't necessarily want to mm -hmm. put toward working on whatever you're working on yeah and just a quick little sidebar like a lot of very successful authors do this exact thing mm -hmm. um i was talking to my brother recently so me and my brother started a podcast keenan and kel with adam and aaron which is kind of fun yeah so if you don't know the um nickelodeon tv show keenan and kel it it was like our childhood, one of our favorite shows in childhood. Anyways, we're like doing a review podcast for that. So, um, I, it's not, it's not out yet, but we'll, we'll share it when it's out. Anyways, he said he writes short stories and he said, this one author says only write two pages or only write one page every single day. Don't write any more. Don't write any less, no matter how good or how bad it is, just write one page. And so a lot and i've heard two pages write a minimum of two pages i've heard a lot of things echoing what you're saying so the fact that you kind of came about it on your own is like is like pretty neat and yeah. and it means you're very aware of of how you operate yeah definitely and so i mean i think the point we're trying to get at is create habits right yeah yeah create habits instead of setting setting deadlines for yourself that you're eventually going to be disappointed with right so number one move that's what i've been doing number two 30 minutes aside from my thesis. Everything else pretty much changes on a daily basis depending on what I need to do. Yeah. And I do them depending on if I am, if I feel very overwhelmed with the workload I have, I do it at night before I start my day mm -hmm. tomorrow, whatever tomorrow is. Right. But if I'm feeling good with how productive I was that day, I'm like, no, I can write my, um, I can write my schedule tomorrow morning, sitting down with my cup of coffee and my breakfast. It's almost like a reward. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I, like that. I, I honestly, yeah. I love doing it because on top of, you know, writing those, writing those things that I have to do for school, I can also write down things to look forward to mm -hmm. at the end of my list. So at the end of my list, I go through right now, we're at the end of the semester mm -hmm. or the end of the semester is approaching. Right. So I have finals coming up, all that stuff, but big assignments that I've been doing on a weekly basis for my classes are coming to an end. Right. So I re one of an example of this is I had to write my last motivation psychology summary. Right. Every week we summarize two research papers and I just did my last one. So I feel great. I don't have to do them anymore. Yeah. But now I need to start preparing for my finals. And it's something else comes in. Yeah. And then eventually, you know, 
when school is over, you're going to have something else to fill in. And, and hopefully it's something creative and something like generative instead of just like schoolwork. You don't really want to do that much. Yeah, so exactly. I have one more question about this. Where do you, do you have a journal that you write stuff down in? Do you have like a planner? What do you like? How do you do that schedule? Yeah. So I recently changed this. I had a calendar on my computer. I had um, a planner that was just kind of like a notebook that I would write in. Mm-hmm. But I recently decided to change all of that and have everything in one calendar on my computer. That way I don't miss deadlines. That way I can check on yeah. one check one place where all of my assignments and important things coming up are. Yeah. And before it was fine. Like I wasn't missing any assignments before and it was still organized. But this way, if I'm, you know, going through, I'm nine out of 10 times throughout my week i'm working on my computer right and that's a big transition because before i was looking at my professor teaching Mm -hmm. and now everything is on my computer Mm -hmm. so while i'm doing my work i can easily go back and forth on my to my calendar from like whatever document i'm working on and i can check well okay what do i have coming up that i need to focus on when do i need to start working on this and and everybody can have a different approach to that i think it's important you found that that works for you um the great Zig Ziglar, like salesman and um, business almost guru, like really, really smart guy in, in um, 19, you know, middle 19, no, middle of the 2000s, sorry. No, middle of the 1900s. Anyways, Zig Ziglar <laughs> says, keep everything on one calendar, no matter what, like the your notes, your things to do, keep everything on one calendar because that's how you, like, that's your life calendar. Um, if you, once you start having a calendar for this and a calendar for that, everything starts to go, you know, um, haywire. So there's a lot of good like research and good, um, smart people behind that idea. So I think that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, definitely like, like what you were saying, it depends on every individual person, how they decide to keep everything organized. This is what works for me. Yeah. It's trial defi- and error is how you figure it out. Exactly. And it's definitely shifted and changed over years, like over however many years that yeah. I've been using yeah. a planner. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just use like a um, black marble notebook. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm, <laughs> I need a better calendar. That's great for me for scheduling my days and writing down my thoughts and all that. And I have a couple of them, but as far as a calendar, I need to find a, a better calendar that works for me. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, um, so I think when you're talking about like daily goals for yourself, um, a great question to ask, and this is from Jordan Peterson, but it's very simple. It's what can I do today to make my life better? And I've brought that up to you a number of times, whether, whether you're anxious or worried. Um, and I've had to remind myself that a number of times over and over again, but we get so caught up in, in trying to fix all of our problems at once when really what we should be focusing on is that one thing we can change today, that one thing we can make better today, that one thing we can do to improve our life like right now. Um, and then, you know, if we actually think about that and then instead of just saying in a theory, we commit to doing one thing each day to make life better then you actually can start to gain some inertia, you know, gain some momentum and start moving forward. And so, you know, I've fallen into this 
I have all these ideals and dreams. It's like, oh, I want to write every day. I want to read every day. I want to meditate every day. I want to run every day. I want to work out every day. And then it's like, I'll try that for two days. And I don't have enough energy for anybody else in my life because I'm spending it all on me. And, you know, I don't have any energy to be patient and I don't have any energy to be kind. And that just doesn't work for me. So what I've been doing recently is just trying to do one thing, you know, trying to today I'm going to work on my blog and that's it. The next day I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on these homework assignments that I've been putting off. And you just slowly keep compounding on you keep compounding these things one on top of the other. And then before you know it, your life has changed because each day you're moving in a positive direction. Yeah. I mean, this all ties back to, you know, what we were just talking about habits. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with just your assignments and your schoolwork. This is your life. Mm -hmm. What do you want your life to eventually look like? Mm -hmm. And how can you start today taking one step, not 10, not 50? You can get there. You can try to take 15 steps at once, but you're going to fall on your face. And so, yeah, <laughs> I just pictured myself doing that. Yeah, exactly. That's what we all do. We all we all have these grand aspirations of what we want our life to look like, and then we try to make it happen right now. But that's not how that's not how progress works. The thing is, though, like having those goals and those aspirations, those are great. Keep them. Mm-hmm. Just make it easier for yourself and take little baby steps and help yourself set small goals mm-hmm. to get there one day and make that happen right exactly and the, the small steps are huge yeah you know what is it small small stones make i'm big, not the right person to ask about sayings <laughs> i don't know that saying i always um, make up sayings. it's true though so maybe if you're listening to this and you want your life to be somewhere but you feel like you're so far away from that it's like you know you know this is a saying we've mentioned before in the podcast i know but you we overestimate what we can do in a day and underestimate what we can do in a year same thing with we overestimate what we can do in one year and underestimate what we can do in five, right? This is the same thing. It's like, what can you do today to make your life better? And then maybe not, don't get so worried about when you're going to get there, when you're going to end up there. You know, Gary Vee says, when you, as soon as you put a time limit on a goal in your life, then you're limiting yourself, you're handicapping yourself. And I think that's so true. Yeah, I mean, this is so interesting too because... This is something that I've had to learn, not through myself and setting those small goals for like extra, like working out or doing yoga, stuff like that. But through my master's program, it's just been, it's been like, it's so cliche to say, but it's been a crazy ride for me in the Mm -hmm. sense that, you know, in May next year, I will hopefully have a master's degree Mm -hmm. and not all of the moments leading up to earning that thing that I am, have have been working really hard for and will continue working really hard for have been fun. But at the end of the day, it's something that I'm so extremely grateful and happy to be doing because of how important I feel that what my research is going to be leading to mm-hmm. and benefiting people. Yeah. How, you know, that doesn't make any sense. No, no, it does. No, no, no. But, it, it, you know, yeah. So <laughs> you, what you're saying is like, this is this is the distinction between learning and education, right? A lot of people want the master's degree so that their resume looks better, so that they can get a better job, get accepted to more schools, you know, get more money, whatever. Maybe they're obligated to get a master's degree for teaching, whatever. But it sounds like you want to get a master's degree. Of course, that stuff is there and it'll help you get into a better 
grad school, whatever. But you also are enjoying the process of learning because you realize it's making you a better human being and a more capable and responsible person. And you're doing important work in the research that you're doing that's going to benefit people. And so in that way, you're, you're focused on the learning and, and you're honing in on what can I learn and bring to the world. And I think that is, makes all the difference. You know, it's not about the degree. It's about what you have learned and what you can bring to the world to make it a better place and to make your life better. Yeah, absolutely. That was well said. Thanks. I mean, this is, I think about this stuff a lot because I will be a teacher next year Mm -hmm. and I'm already starting to think of myself as a teacher. You know, it's like I'm, I'm in these zoom classrooms and worst case scenario is that these zoom classrooms continue into next school year. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm going to be a teacher. I've never taught before and I'm going to have a zoom classroom. I'm thinking like, well, what if, how, how would I possibly operate a zoom classroom? Well, I would have a benefit that a lot of other teachers don't have, which is where I was a student in a zoom classroom. And I realized what does not work. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think this is why you have such a unique perspective on teaching, especially because that's going to be your job next year. But this has been such a drastic change, but you were able to experience being a student in a Zoom classroom and then maybe potentially being in a Zoom classroom, but as a teacher. Yeah. There's not many. I mean, there's, of course, a lot of people who are going to be educators who are experiencing this, but you know, not that many, you know, not. So I think I would have a unique perspective to add. I hope, I hope it doesn't come to that. I really hope we can be in the classroom. Um, because if there's one thing that people are going to realize it's, it's the value of getting 30 people, 30 teenagers together in one room at one time, focusing on one topic that is, a you know, it's like, you think about it, you really think about how hard that is to do. You know, that's why, um, there, I was reading an article by Seth Godin. Of course, I just name drop all these people that I like admire throughout this episode. But uh, it was basically like get the article was talking about how we should take laptops out of the lecture halls because it distracts students and, and it's bad for note taking. Well, Seth Godin was like, we should take the lectures out of the lecture halls. How often do you have 30, 40, 50, 100 students in a room who are, you know, young adults, 20 years old, 18, you know, 22 years old, who are trying to make the world a better place, who are gaining um, education and learning so that so the world can be made better by what they do. And you're going to sit there and lecture to them with a boring PowerPoint. So, you know, it's like what, what they could be solving the world's problems. Every single anatomy class um, in, you know, on the East coast or in the whole United States could be trying to solve problems about how to prevent disease, but instead we're just, I don't know, you know, yeah. it, 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 there's a lot going on with what I just said, but it's just a concept. Something that I want to bring up that I think is really important is starting off with take, taking the lecture out of lecture halls, right? Teachers, m- not everyone, but so many professors and teachers are so focused on not allowing kids to use their laptops that they don't realize the lectures themselves are one sometimes hard to understand in general and two kids if if it is easily understandable students will leave the classroom and not be able to explain what they just learned yeah and this is something that i talk to my motivation psychology professor about because that is 
easily one of the best classes that I've ever taken because of the professor. Mm-hmm. And what does she do? What makes it good? She is not even tenured yet. I just want to say, and yeah. she she is phenomenal because yeah. I think she was able to have this unique perspective of being a student in a professor's class. Right. And that professor said, students, if you teach something and it's easily understandable, if they leave and they don't know how to explain that concept right. to someone else, it doesn't mean they really learned anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she gives us these summaries on a weekly basis and then we get to class and we discuss them. That's pretty much what we do every class. Yeah. We discuss every single article in depth. We go through every single section of the article, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, why they did things a certain way. And that, for me as a researcher, getting an experimental psychology degree, it helps me become a better researcher, one, and it helps me digest and more easily read and understand what other researchers are saying. Right. Which is a skill that I didn't have before. Yeah, and that's that's how teachers have to th- start thinking. More. Yeah, we got got to start thinking outside the box. But because I think this is just really important for me to bring up and emphasize, I could have taken a motivation psychology class with a professor who told me taught me about motivation techniques, and that was it. Mm-hmm. She stood there. Information based. Yeah, she stood there with a lecture, taught me, taught at me. Mm-hmm. not taught with me yeah or learned with you yeah or, yeah, or learned with me right yeah. and aside from learning about motivation psych i'm learning about how to become a better researcher and di- digest research mm-hmm. so much better yeah which is not something that was required in a class she wasn't required to do totally that. totally you know she opens the doors yeah right something that um i wanted to bring up was was like something i want to inspire in my students is that feeling, you know, okay, I just want everybody to like to, to imagine that they're in a classroom, whether you are in high school or college or you were in college once, imagine you're in a classroom and the teacher is presenting information and you raise your hand and you ask a question and the teacher is impressed with your question because it's a really, really, really good question. And that feeling of satisfaction that you have within you of, oh my gosh, like I... I generated an idea that doesn't have, doesn't necessarily have an answer or it does have an answer. And it was like an academic idea, you know, like I'm really grasping this information enough and I'm impressing the professor who's an expert in this field with my question. That is, that's like one of the best feelings in academia. And I think that feeling should be sought after that feeling should be, um, like held on a pedestal in the classroom. We should encourage students to ask questions that are hard to answer, to ask really, really good and provocative questions um, so that everybody, you know, everybody can feel what that feeling is like. Because once you, I know you definitely can relate to this with research, but once you ask a good research question, once you ask a good question in general, um, it opens so many doors and makes, makes you feel like you're worthy of this knowledge. Yeah, you know what that just reminded me of, actually? So something we learned in Motivation Psych is that if, let's say, a, let's say I'm the student and you're the teacher, and I ask you a really great question, that means that I am working hard and I am understanding the material enough to ask you this great question that even you might not have the answer to, right? Mm-hmm. You compliment my hard work. That, in turn, as some research I've read in my class, means that 
I then will be more motivated to work hard and continue working hard as opposed to you complimenting me on um, my performance. Right. Like, oh, you, you met this performance indicator. Good job. Instead of like you being internally motivated because you were reinforced by the good question you asked. And the important distinction here is that you are emphasizing and you're looking for hard work as opposed to looking for someone reaching a certain performance level. Right. Because then in turn, then their self-esteem will become wrapped up in the performance and not reaching a certain standard instead of working hard and continuing to push through and persevere even Mm -hmm. when you don't do well. This is something that you just brought something up that is making my brain spin. (laughs) Um, It's it's like, so it's like um, mental hard work. Right. Because yeah. there's there's hard work. People say hard work, you know, and it's mostly like discipline and getting the work done anyway. But like mental hard work, that means like sitting and thinking and thinking enough to be uncomfortable in your lack of knowledge. Um, and a lot of people don't don't ever get there. But to to reward students for mental hard work, to think through problems, to ask questions that may or may not have an answer that are really, really good questions. You know, I mean, I think that is that's where education needs to move. Um, and how do you do that? Maybe you take the lecture at a lecture hall. Maybe you do some recorded lectures or some um, have students prepare somehow before class. Maybe, you know, but it's like then how are they going to be motivated to do that preparation if they don't have that feeling of, wow, I want to be known. I want to be recognized by my teacher. I want to be acknowledged by my teacher. I think the best the professor that motivated me to learn the most was Dr. Dufresne. He was our leadership professor. And I felt guilty if I didn't bring my all to the classroom, right? We, it was a night class one time a week, but I actually felt bad if I didn't give him like what he was asking for. And it's because he cared so much about each of us and he knew our names and he knew what we wanted to do in life. And he, he knew that like if we didn't, you know, just like what we did in his class did matter. And so I, I think, you know, he is somebody who I am keeping in mind throughout um, my learning how to be a teacher because and exa- he mimics what you're saying. It's teachers who can inspire you and motivate you to do good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I just, this is like a whole other conversation, but these are really, really big topics to emphasize mm-hmm. and bring in, I don't it's a little wisdom book for you to bring into your teaching and a reminder of, you know, what kind of teacher you want to become. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think it's interesting for us to do, to do this and talk about our education because we're still college students, yeah, undergraduate and, and graduate. Right. But we're still, you know, we're still in the game. We, we're not so distanced from it where it's like, we're in Washington making policy about education and classrooms. It's like, we're in it and we're bringing up these ideas and like, I hope somebody finds them and, and finds them valuable. Um, but I mean, I, they're valuable for me and they will be for my students and, and for you, who's going to be in education for a long time. So yeah, this is important stuff. Did you, did you want to um, say <laughs> something about um, vulnerable and openness? Cause so, I know that kind of relates to like the, the lack of knowledge and asking questions. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of in a different context, I guess. It could tie into it, but I'll just bring it up anyways. So, St. Joe's does this uh, lecture that's called a Hyatt Lecture. Hyatt was named after the man who created the kind of lecture. Basically, what it is, is 
um St. Joe's is very research oriented Mm -hmm. and they wanted to keep up with current research. So every year someone will come to St. Joe's or this year it was virtual and they'll present their current research so that everyone can stay up to date in terms of what's going on in the research community. Okay. This year, the, um, the researcher who spoke, I can link her in our show notes if you want to look her up. She pretty much talked about, um, tight and loose cultures that's the name she gave them and essentially what i took that was very important for me actually helped me learn about my culture and my background which was um i'll kind of go down like a little string brazil as a culture is considered a loose culture which is more accepting of breaking stereotypes and breaking stigmas which then leads to open-mindedness. I thought this was an interesting concept for me to start thinking about and reflecting because certain parts of the United States are considered very tight cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, She pulled up a map. I'm not going to go into it, but I think that this has kind of posed a really interesting contrast for me because I've noticed my mind being closed off to certain ideas and being very open about others. And I didn't necessarily know how to pinpoint that, but I kind of just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was cool, but also something that I'm going to be reflecting on more so moving forward because mm-hmm. I didn't really know that there was a name to it, and I just discovered there was. Um, I like that a lot. That's really good research. I think, you know, we you have definitely talked about identity before in this podcast and, and like where you, you know, where you... F- feel you fit in where you feel you you don't quite fit in um and and where you're trying to find your place and i think that is such a a good lens to look through right open-mindedness versus closed-mindedness right based on the culture that's surrounding you now i think of like not you know 1700s like england puritans right so in, in like new england i mean um like very closed culture very closed minded like things are this way let's keep them this way. And, and uh, just imagine how much that mindset of, of like this religious ideal carries over, like this religious ideal is right. And how much of that carries over into everything they do in life makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I mean, within this, there's like a lot of subsets and one of them is flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. So how flexible are you willing to change certain ways to allow someone else's point of view to change who, how you do things and who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. That's a very big thing to start thinking about. Yeah. Because then you start thinking about how your mindset plays into who you want to become, really. Yeah. Yeah, and this is interesting. So last night in Crystalia's No Pain uh, <laughs> special, he was saying how, um, like, old like old people like grandpas are very (laughs) like it's like they don't need to see people see things from a different perspective like they don't need to be told oh look at it this way like they've seen all the ways right (laughs) and so i mean i i it was it's a joke of course um there's some truth to it but then there's also like some you know it's a reality check it's like how much do we think that we know that we don't actually know yeah. Right. How much do we do we say that is for sure when really it, we're in reality, we're unsure of it. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I think I think that I mean, like 
I'm of the perspective, and I know you are too, we should always be open to new ideas, always be open to new perspectives, and always be open to changing who we are and adapting and molding, right? We shouldn't be stuck in our ways. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we can't have principles and morals and live by a certain code of conduct, code of ethics. Um, but like, I think within that structured framework of, of this code, life code, you know, you can have the freedom to explore who you want, who you are and who you want to be. Definitely. I think this goes in your point about asking questions too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit, but yeah, but like that feeling you get when you ask a question and, yeah. and you like you, it was a good question. Well, what if you asked a question about your life and it's like, who do I want to be? And you realize that's a good question. And then you get that feeling of like, I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging the status quo of my life. Yeah. I'm trying to push the, the boundaries and the barriers of who I am now because I want to be better. And it's that same feeling of satisfaction because, you know, when you, whether you ask that question in a class and the professor says, that's a good question, or you ask that question to yourself, like you're pushing the boundaries of what is known into the unknown and in the unknown is potential. So, yeah. I mean, that was all very theoretical, but like it, it could easily be applied to your daily life. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of thinking about asking questions in terms of like what you were just saying of like when someone becomes older, mm -hmm. they think of the things in all the ways. Right. But did they ask the questions in all the ways? And did they mm. add, ask the questions in all the ways to all the people? Definitely no. Definitely right? not. So if you keep asking questions, you'll keep thinking of new ways, more ways, more mm -hmm. points of views. So no matter how old you are, there's always a question to be asked and a, a question to be asked to a new person that hasn't given you, given you their point of view yet. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that all people and all points of views need to be listened to equally, but you know what it, what it does mean is that um, there are, there are different perspectives out there, right? So whether, you know, an, an example is like, uh, health, right? People think dietary fat is the devil and it's horrible for you. And it's going to be, it's going to cause disease and all this stuff. Well, that's largely based on old scientific evidence that has since been disproven. Um, you know, there's, there's little nuances here and there for sure. Um, but like in general, dietary fat is, isn't horrible for you. But if you try to explain that to, a 75 year old person or an 80 year old person who has gone their whole life believing this. It's like, they're not really going to be convinced no matter what you say. And it's going to be hard for them to change their practices to be quote healthier unquote, um, just because of something you bring up, you know? So, so where is, you know, different perspectives of course is a good thing, but then like, where is the authority? Where is the truth? These are all things to consider, but the fact that you're open to ask questions is like the first step, right? That sh that's where we should all be operating from. Yeah. I mean, I th what comes to mind now is something I learned in one of my, in my developmental psychology class, mm -hmm. which is the concept of assimilation mm -hmm. and accommodation. So if someone has an idea of what the world looks like, they're kind of going to go tooth and nail to keep that idea of what the world looks like until there is proof shown to them that the world is actually different. And even then they might still not want to believe it. Yeah. I mean, it takes time, right? Right. To assimilate the idea that this, maybe this concept that they've thought of 
that looks a very specific way like the fat the yeah. idea of the fat with the diet saturated yeah, fat all of that so if i have this idea of what that looks like and what that means to me and my idea has been this way in my mind for however many years and then someone all of a sudden comes along and says Mm-mm, that's not yeah. what it is yeah but then they show you all of this research and maybe you start eating a little more fat and nothing happens yeah then you're like oh the yeah. world's different <laughs> but the thing is it's like most people aren't going to get there. Like if they believe something for a long time, they're not going to change their ways and they're not going to start eating fat. And the reason is out of fear, you know, a lot, mostly it's out of fear. It's like, well, what if this, this means that because most people aren't willing to grasp with, Oh, this means that I have been living 40 years of my life under a false paradigm that, I mean, that alone is earth shattering to people, right? So you think of people who believe in flat earth, it's like there can be as much evidence as you know, humanly conceivable that the earth isn't flat, but they are under a certain ideology that they can't break from. And this is the idea of dogma versus like, you know, inquiry. It's saying that this is the way things are. This is how like, this is how they are period versus like, this is how they are comma, but I'm open to other ideas. And so, I, I mean, I don't think like in our, worlds you know how we're trying to make a difference in the world through psychology or health or or whatever i don't think we need to spend time converting people you know like i don't think there are um and what i mean by that is like there's enough people who need real help psychologically and like through through health um that want real help though we don't need to we don't need to tell people like yeah but saturated fat isn't that bad for you you know it's like we can just um, like put our message out there of what we want in the world. And then people can like come to it because they're already looking for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a, it's just a concept, you know, it's yeah. like you don't need to um, pander to everybody. You don't need to have a message for everybody. Maybe just have a message for the people that you know need it. Yeah. I mean, this goes into a whole different conversation. We don't need to get into it, but yeah, pretty much just, you do your best, you do your research, you find your evidence, and you be that person who's open, who's genuine, who's authentic, and be that person people can trust. People will come. Amen. And create, and create relationships and That's connections. It. Yeah. That's it. Wow. I think that was a pretty good conversation. Camille. That was a lot. Yeah, that <laughs> was a lot. Yeah, I mean, I we think... We didn't even go into our... Okay, side note to everyone. We actually didn't even go into our list today. We went on off on a huge tangent but we're hoping you like no it. <laughs> we actually did we touched on a lot of this stuff camille nice anyways I think um, we're good. <laughs> thanks for listening everybody remember it's all mahalo yeah <laughs> <laughs> talk to you guys soon see ya thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of it's all mahalo camille and i have some pretty exciting news our website is live so to check out all the show notes, to check out um, the news that we have and a little bit more about me and Camille, you can go to our new home base, which is itsallmahalo.com. And it's spelled exactly how it sounds. Itsallmahalo.com. <laughs> so check it out. Let us know what you think and maybe leave a comment on one of our episodes. All right, everybody. Peace out.